You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. I know some of you are thinking, oh, that guy again. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so this morning, we're going to be talking about um, perhaps the greatest application that we can have when it comes to our Christian faith. When I mean application, I'm talking about just worship. And uh, before we get into that, um, you guys are looking at this, and I, I realize um, that's giving you a Christmas vibe. <laughs> and some of you, if you're like me, you're probably thinking, whoa, it's a little early for this one. Um, I get that. I totally get it. So I just want to ask you to please hear me out a little bit. I would be the first one in your shoes to say the same thing. Like, wait a second. Thanksgiving hasn't even come yet. But that said, if you're watching TV and you're watching advertisements and such, they're already doing this. Um, so I, I just want to encourage you to take a moment. What we're going to be doing is we're actually trying to get ahead of the game when it comes to uh, preparing. So what we're going to do in the next four weeks, we're actually going to talk about how we want to celebrate Christmas when it gets here. So in the next four weeks, we just want to set our minds and say we want to uh, be initi- take initiative and plan. Think through how we want to do it this year, unlike last year, or maybe or maybe we did it well last year. I don't know, but we want to plan ahead. We're going to go four weeks into uh, preparation, we'll talk about values, and then we're going to come back and finish the book of John, and then it'll be December, right? Okay. Does that make sense? It maybe seems like, why are we doing this? Seems a little disjointed. I thought the same too. I was, you know, just let's try it. Let's just try it this year. Okay. <laughs> Um, Does anybody know what country that is? Don't look too close. Yeah, it's where I'm from. So does anybody know where I'm from? Paraguay. Okay, very good. Somebody said Peru earlier. Um, No, not the same. Starts with a P, but not the same. Um, So where is Paraguay? South America, right? Like right in the heart of the middle of South America. It's surrounded by Brazil, Argentina, uh, Brazil, Bolivia, Argentina. Uruguay is actually further south, not connected, but it's close. Um, but it, it's, it's way down there, right? So when it comes to where Paraguay is, uh, a lot of times people think Hispanic people, uh, Mexicans. That's just what we think, right? Um, this is on the other side of the world. Uh, so Mexico is next door. And you're more Mexican than Paraguayans are. <laughs> okay. Uh, also, uh, just something that I've said before, you maybe heard this, but in Paraguay, we don't even know what tacos are. I'm not joking. I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, sadly for you, you don't know what, a man- what mandioca is. May- maybe. And mandioca, uh, that churrasco... That's good food. Maybe someday you'll get to try that out. Uh, but that's where I'm from, at least part of me. The other part of me is from North Dakota. Uh, my last name is Myers Olsen. So if you hear me say Ufta every now and then, yeah, it's just my Norwegian coming out. It's kind of weird. Uh, but so that's, that's, that's kind of who I am, a very confused mutt. Uh, but uh, when we're talking Christmas... Okay, 
you know, tell someone next to you, like, what's one thing you're looking forward to to Christmas? Okay. Anybody out loud? One thing? Family. Family. Okay, anything else? Food. Lights. Did anybody say snow? No? Okay. Uh, all right, good, good. That's good. Uh, but just, just, I mean, if you live in the southern U.S., this kind of makes sense a little bit. But in, in Paraguay, we don't have, I've never seen snow in Paraguay. It just never happened. Never, never happened. Um, but uh, one of the things that is around at that time of year is the coconut uh, the coconut tree, not the big coconuts. We actually have little coconuts down there, and we call it coco. Uh, but th- they flower, and it blooms, and it just smells amazing. And it's this flower that is huge. Um, so what they'll do is they'll take the flowers down, uh, take palm the leaves down, and they'll actually build a manger scene during Christmas. And they'll build a manger scene out of it, put a manger scene in it, and then they'll surround this, the, the scene with fruit. Okay, so you have pineapples, mangoes, um, all kinds of other fruit. One of the biggest drinks is kind of like this cider mixed with fruit in it. That is a typical drink in, in Paraguay during Christmas. And so people will go to other people's homes and they'll go sit around a manger and just that's where, that's where life happens. That's the scene. Uh, there are Christmas trees, but... Honestly, the best Christmas trees in the world are right, are right here. Um, our Christmas trees are plastic. You know, <laughs> they don't smell as good. Yeah. Uh, but there is this cultural expectation around Christmas. And you go to South America and it's different. It's just, you know, oh, one of the things that, that we look forward to every year and the thing that kind of reminds us of Christmas is the smell of gunpowder. <laughs> Why gunpowder? Well, because uh, firecrackers... All of December, they're just going off, and you always smell that gunpowder smell. That's just all the time. So when when I smell gunpowder, I'm thinking Christmas. That's probably not the same for you. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So I I bring that up just because we have expectations around Christmas, and culture has expectations around Christmas, and the way we do it often just follows the norm. And this year we're going to be talking, which is something we've been, not just this year, we've been talking about this for years. And some of us uh, do this really well, where we, we have this thing called Advent Conspiracy. It's not a spy game or anything like that. It's, it's, uh, the idea is we're trying to take back uh, the idea of Christmas, the heart of it, and, and reorient our hearts towards it. So the question, what is Advent Conspiracy? That's what we're going to be talking about in the next four weeks so that we're ready when it comes, okay? Advent Conspiracy is a commitment to reorient our, our hearts towards celebrating the birth of Jesus. That's, that's the goal. Let's focus on Jesus. That's the point. No matter if you're in South America or here, uh, the French actually call it Revolution de, de Noël, something like that, Revolution of Noël. So last week I said, well, let's do that. Let's call it Revolution de Noël in Spanish. So we actually have a new title. We've been trying to do Advent Conspiracy in Spanish. It does, doesn't work. Uh, but the idea is take it back from culture. Let's, let's give this the right purpose. Okay, that's, that's the goal. And uh, one of the things, um, Advent Conspiracy... Uh, has the purpose of being free 
to leave the shallow story of cultural Christmas and enter the deep, life-giving waters of the incarnation of Jesus. It's so easy during Christmas to have meaningful things uh, take up the focus. Um, relationships, you know, spend time with family. It's, that's a great thing. Uh, presents, those are great things. Um, food, a lot of things we mentioned earlier, some of those are great things. And it can be just very easy that those become the focus. And I just, we want to encourage you this year, just think about what do we want the focus to be when it, when it hits us, right? So here we go. Uh, there are four values that the people who came up with this idea of Advent Conspiracy, uh, when they first came up with it and they started doing this, like, you know, we want to make this season about four things. If we do these four things, I think that can help us. You know, if, if, it, if our heart's in the right place and we do these, these are the thing, things we want to live by during this season. And the first one is worshipfully. And that's what we're going to talk about today. In the next few weeks, we'll talk about each one of these separately. But today we're going to talk about worshipfully. The other ones, spend less. Uh, give more and love all. I won't go into all of those, uh, but I want to encourage you to uh, get ready for, for the rest of these. Here we go. Worship fully. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 to 5. That's where we're at for, for this topic. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this passage of Scripture that just means so much. Thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your presence. We're gathered here because of you, for you. And so, would you be at the center? Would you teach us your thoughts and then help us to walk away and live the life you've given us? So I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing that, we're going to talk about four things in this passage, and the first thing that kind of stands out to me is that there is such a thing as true and proper worship. We were at preaching team, and uh, I didn't have this worded the same way. I had it some other way. And Sean said, well, he looked at it, and he's like, well, there is such a thing as, as, as the right way of worship, and there's something that's not, that's, that's not proper, not right. And uh, I thought that's, that's a really good point, and I'll get into an example of that here shortly. But the idea of worship. What is, what is worship, right? He says in this passage, there's your true and proper worship, right? That's, that's the phrase he talks about, and he gives, he gives context to it before and after. Um, but the idea of worship, what is it? 
What is worship? And when you look at the New Testament, there may be more words than these two that describe it. But in this verse, uh, there is a, a Greek word that describes what worship is. And then in other verses, there are other words. Like there are two words up at the top. You've got latreon and proskinesusin. Okay. Uh, the word latreon means service, your proper service. So something you do, right? Um, and then the other word uh, is actually worship in the sense of paying honor or homage or bowing down to. Like that's the other word in the New Testament. So these are two words that describe it. Okay, and if you go to the Old Testament, I don't have the Hebrew up here. I'm like that, those letters, they're backwards. They don't make any sense. Greek, at least, kind of. But so I didn't put it up here. Sorry, Gary Brashears, if he's listening to this, he's thinking, Gabe, what are you doing? Uh, anyway, uh, there are two words when when you look at the Ten Commandments that describe, you know, you don't, uh, we don't worship other gods, right? And this is, these are the two words that are used in Exodus 20, verse five: You shall not bow down to them or worship them. And so worship here is one bowing down, as in honoring, paying homage, you know, that kind of thing. And the other one is worship, and that word can also be translated serve them. So you've got these two aspects of, of worship, right? One is I'm going to bow down before and recognize you as something great, okay, or God. And then the other one is I'm going to live for you. So those two pictures. And uh, the, the, the first word up here at the top is in this passage. The second one, like, for example, when Jesus says to the Samaritan woman, uh, he says to them, true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. It's that other word. Okay, it's the, it's the uh, bowing down kind of, kind of piece. So these are two, 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 uh, two words that are described. Well, actually, a few words. And then there are examples of worship. And if we go to the Bible, we go to like the very beginning, go to um, the Garden of Eden after that, maybe a little bit. Uh, my examples, I'm thinking of Cain and Abel. They both bring an offering to the Lord, right? One brings a lamb and sacrifices. The other, one, the other one, Cain, brings produce. And they offer it up to the Lord. And it says, God was pleased with Abel's gift, his offering, but wasn't pleased with Cain's. The passage actually doesn't say why. We don't know why. We can speculate why. Like, I think, you know, well, Abe's, Abel's offering, um, when you look at sacrificing a lamb, I mean, that's a picture of what God would do with the Messiah. And so that makes sense. That Wow, that um, produce, I don't see that being sacrificed. But, but I don't know why. It seemed like they both brought their gift. We do know Cain's heart, kind of, kind of rotten. After, he ends up killing his brother, right? But... There is an example, an example, and it doesn't say why, of two offerings, and one is pleasing and one is not. So there, there's proper worship and there's not. Uh, there are other examples in Scripture of worship. Moses and his sister Miriam, when the Israelites come out of Egypt and they cross the Red Sea, God splits the sea open. They cross the other side. Pharaoh's army comes after them, and God closes the sea on them, and they destroys, he destroys the army that's coming after the Israelites. Moses and Miriam and all the people, Moses writes this song, he sings this song that's pretty lengthy, but then Miriam goes and sings the tag, like the, the, the main piece of it, and she actually sings it out, you can find it in Exodus chapter 15, these are the words that she sings, sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea. You can imagine that picture 
of the Israelites on the other side just seeing, looking at the ocean. And they just break out into song because it's a response to who God is and what he has done for them. Um, There are other examples. You've got David when he brings the Ark of the Covenant uh, to Jerusalem. He's been wanting to bring this to Jerusalem for so long. Finally, he gets to do it. And what he does, you know, the, the priests finally pick it up. They take six steps and he sacrifices a, a bull as an offering, as, a, as worship to God. And then it says, he danced with all his might. Can you imagine that scene? David is worshiping and his body is just responding to, to what, what he's thinking of God. He's just dancing with all his might. Uh, and, and then he comes into Jerusalem and when he walks into Jerusalem, the same thing. He's just dancing and praising God. And that's how he's doing it. So there's, there's that way of, of worshiping. You've got an entire book in the Old Testament, the book of Psalms, dedicated to worship and prayer and, and just crying out to God. But there are all these examples. So you've got all of these examples in the Old Testament. These are just a few of them. Um, you go to the New Testament, and one of the pictures I love is the wise men who leave their home in the East. They take this long journey and when they come to town, they come to Jerusalem, they talk to Mr. Herod, the king. They basically say, uh, Herod, King Herod, we've come to see the king of the Jews. We've come to worship him. <laughs> they, they didn't say that to Herod. They probably recognize he's king, but they're saying, this king, we actually want to worship. And when they come to Jesus... They bow down, they worship him, and as part of their worship, they take out these gifts that they had planned, and they give them, they give these gifts to Jesus as an act of worship. So that was their way of worshiping. There are other examples in the New Testament, the blind man who bows down before Jesus and worships him. Um, There's this lady in Acts named Lydia. It doesn't say how she does it, but it says she was a worshiper of God. Um, And then you go all the way to Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, you've got these 24 elders uh, in the scene of heaven. And they bow down and they worship God. And they say this, uh, the, the 24 elders fall down, worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you create because you created what you pleased i think that these 24 guys probably represent uh the pillars of the church like the church and israel 2012 and 12 right that's just just what i think but but the point is what they do they bow down and they worship god and the lamb and they give them this homage, this, this, his place. They recognize who he is. So there are all kinds of methods for worship. There's praying, reading God's word, singing, taking communion, uh, serving others, doing your job well, doing it for, doing it for the Lord. Uh, I could be a dentist, construction worker, whatever, whatever. There are so many things you can do as an act of service and worshiping the Lord. So we are all worshipers. We're all worshipers. The question is, what do we worship? And then 
how we worship. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. And here in this passage, um, we, he's already said there's such a thing as true and proper worship, but then he's going to go on to say how, how you worship. And he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. That's where he starts, in view of God's mercy. Let's start with perspective. Let's start with thinking about having the right motivation to worship. As we can get together and maybe sing a song, and because the music is great, uh, you know, because others are singing loudly, it's just there's this energy, uh, maybe even emotion, you know, we can be emotional and we can do things because others are doing the same thing or because the situation is just right. Uh, and those, are, those could be the reasons. But what he's saying is your worship starts with in view of God's mercy. So there are two ways to worship the Lord. One is you recognize who he is. It's a response to who he is. I was talking to Tom Nunciato about this this week, and this is one of the things that he said. You can look at who God is and respond to that. The other is you can look at what God has done for you and respond to that, right? And so, um, you know, what is our motivation for worship when we gather and we sing and that's the way we worship. What is behind it? What is motivating me? Why am I doing this? Um, and then there's the how. Uh, again, in view of God's mercy, before I get into the how, in view of God's mercy, last week we talked about God's mercy. We talked about the cross, you know. Why the cross is a symbol of hope? Because Jesus died on that cross. And his death brings me so many things. It's just a shower of gifts for me, eternal peace, eternal life, forgiveness. I have reconciliation with God. I am justified. I have an advocate with me forever. And those are things like positionally before God. But then there are things that he produces in me because of his mercy, like joy, comfort, patience, love, kindness. There are all these things that because of his mercy and grace, he pours them in their life. And I can go back to my life and I can see that and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a moment and just view God's mercy in my life, how he's been working in my life. And he goes on uh, to talk about to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. But again, last week when I ended that sermon, I ended with this, with this question, he paid my debt. How will I respond? We'll get to do that today. A little later, we'll, we'll go into communion. But th this is a worship that comes out of a response for what he has done for me. All of those things. Uh, he goes on to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. The idea behind this is how much of the sacrifice am I going to offer? How much of me am I going to bring to the altar? Everything. Everything. He invites me to bring all of my thoughts, all of my actions, all of my words, all of my interactions, where I go to work, <laughs> um, when I go to sleep. Jesus is asking me to bring him everything. And the idea of holy is is dedicated to, I'm going to dedicate all of this to you. 
you're king, I'm coming to you, I'm offering you this gift, right? And it's pleasing to God. It's a living sacrifice. It's easy to, to, to maybe do a one-time big thing, you know, and feel good about it. This is like, no, this isn't just a one-time thing. This is an ongoing daily, the rest of my life kind of sacrifice is what he's asking me to, to, to give. So, uh, so that's what he's asking. And secondly, in this passage, proper worship does not conform to the pattern of this world. Look at what he says, right? Do not conform to the pattern of this world. That's pretty clear. I mean, I wrote the point. I just copied it just, just in case, you know, it's, it's, it's there. Don't conform to the, why? Why would he say this? Because we have a tendency to just conform to our surrounding. And when we're talking about Advent conspiracy and we're talking about Christmas, which is coming, this is one example of those areas where we can just conform to what the world does. Well, because everybody's doing it, right? Everybody's going this way. Um, Christmas, for example, is driven by consumerism mentality. You know, uh, already the commercials are out there. You got to buy these gifts because you deserve it. Um, there are some songs that kind of describe the heart of uh, society's Christmas. Here's, here's one. I'm dreaming of a... Okay. I, I, nobody here actually said that earlier, so maybe that was wrong on that one. But uh, how about this one? I want to... For Christmas. Is that really what you want? Yeah. Okay. Um, or on the 12 days of Christmas, my true love gave to... And then was, it goes into a list of what it's all about, right? Um, so there, there are all these ideas of what, I don't know if those songs really mean something to you or they're just, oh, they're just, it's just a silly song or whatever. Yeah, silly songs are okay. That's fine. But what's interesting is part of that is actually true. Maybe not the hippo part, but... But, but part of it is actually true. Like, this is what it's about. You ask a, a child, what are you most looking forward to about Christmas? Uh, Christmas and what do you think they're going to say? Presents. Presents. Not that that's a bad thing, but is it the main thing? Is that the focus? Wouldn't it be nice? Jesus. Okay, now you're, someone's paying you, right? <laughs> uh, but, but it's just, there is a pattern in the world in how to celebrate this. And our goal is to not follow the pattern, to break it, and to say, no, I'm going to have a different mind about this, and I'm going to do it a different way. I want Jesus to be the, the main focus of this. Um, if Christmas is just about Jesus, then what does true and proper worship look like for us? Are we in danger of idolatry near the manger? Perhaps of bowing down and serving other things and not giving Jesus a place we say we want him to have. Christmas is such a great opportunity for us to celebrate and share who Jesus is. It's a great opportunity. So uh, in this passage, when it says, uh, renewing your mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, it doesn't say, renew your emotions. You know, and I know that sometimes any holiday, but Christmas can have, it can be pretty charged with emotions, right? Like, I smell uh, gunpowder and I have all these feelings, right? Okay, uh, I, but, you know, maybe you have a, lo a loved one that was lost in the past year, and this Christmas is, is going to be different. 
Um, or maybe there are just certain things that happen during Christmas that when that time comes around, you know, you see a Christmas tree and it just brings back these memories, whatever. Um, so there are emotions tied, and you can't necessarily change the emotions, but he's saying renew, renew your mind. How are you, you going to go into this? What are you going to focus on? We can train our mind to follow to, 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 towards pointing to Christ and that being the purpose of it. So we, we, we strive to saturate our minds with, with what it's about, with what, what, what the heart of it is. Um, what would renewing my mind from the norms of society towards worshiping Jesus look like? Let me just ask that again. What would renewing my mind from the norms of society towards worshiping Jesus look like? Not necessarily Christmas, but just, just all the time, and maybe Christmas. How do we renew our minds? We renew our minds daily as we fill our thoughts with his wisdom on how to live life. His word, God's word is cleansing. It's guiding and related to Christmas, I just want to encourage you to take some time to ponder. Ponder things like, uh, Jesus came to this earth to pursue me. His name is Emmanuel, God with us. Just think about that. What did Jesus leave? Where was he sitting? What was he doing before he was in Mary's womb? Seated on a throne. Had had a conversation with the Father years past. There are angels everywhere. And he chooses to leave. Can you imagine what the angels were thinking? Where'd you go? <laughs> what? Why? But just pondering the, what he chose to put aside to come pursue me. Just uh, things like that. Or um, last week I was thinking about the tabernacle. I, I read through Exodus and God told Moses to build this tabernacle. And he basically said, I'm doing this because I, I want to come and be with you. I want to be with you. I want to walk with you. I want to go with you through the, through the desert. I want to be in the middle of your life through the middle of everything you're going through. And this is the same heart that Jesus has when he chooses to come live with us. And today, he's doing the same thing. He wants to live with me today all the time. Um, so pondering, taking this season to ponder and think ahead and share those things. Here's, here's what God's teaching me about who he is and how he wants to pursue me. Um, then it says, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I love this because this whole section is talking about what worship looks like. It's talking about living it out. And then it's talking about after I've lived it out, I can go back and look at my life. And I can say, look at how God's will has impacted my life here and here and here. And look at the blessings that I have because of it in view of God's mercy, in view of what he's producing in me, in my relationships. Yeah, life is hard, and there are things that are just going to be hard no matter what. But I can go back, and I can put God's will to the test and say, look how God's will actually works. It actually brings joy. It actually brings satisfaction. It actually breathes life in the middle of the storm, in the middle of everything. This is what God's will does when we pursue him, when we offer ourselves fully to him. There's nothing greater than what he has to offer me. So this is, this is a question for us to think about. What would renewing my mind from the norms of society toward worshiping Jesus look like? I think I already asked that earlier. Uh, but what does that look like for you 
in your personal life alone, in your community? What does that look like? What does it look like when you get up and and, and you go about your day, when you're working, uh, when you're studying, when you're interacting with people? What does this look look like? And thirdly, proper worship in this passage we see that proper worship results in a view of self in light of who God is. Look at this. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. I love this passage because it says, you know, uh, don't think too highly of yourself. Right? But it also says, but don't think you're so humble. and don't, don't stomp on yourself and claim that to be humility. It's not, not, not it at all. In fact, it's saying, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. There is an ought. You ought to think of yourself a certain way. So there is, a, there is value to you. And then it's saying, how? Rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Who, my identity, who I am, is found in direct relationship with viewing who God is. Faith is about my relationship vertically with God, listening to His voice in view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy, I can understand who I am. I have a sense of purpose. I ha- there's meaning in my life because of who He is. So I absolutely love this passage. It's, we, it's great for us to see and know how to understand who I am. And when I talk to kids and teenagers uh, when they're struggling with, with who I am and what I think should think of myself, what I shouldn't think of myself, this is great. But this is great for us adults too, right? Uh, so in Christ, we, th- we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. So there's this personal identity piece, but there's also this community identity. I, I, I know who I am in relationship to the Father, but I also know who I am in relationship to other people in, in the body of Christ. I have a place. I am part of the body. What I love about that is we can look around this room and we can say everyone... <laughs> Anyone who has a relationship with Christ is part of the body. And if you're not, we're inviting you in. We would love to have you come and be part of, of the kingdom of Christ. And this afternoon at 2 o'clock, there will be a group of other people uh, from all over the place speaking a different language who eat tacos, right, uh, <laughs> and other foods. Um, but they're different, but they're part of the body, the same body. They're siblings. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. I absolutely love this. Uh, earlier I mentioned the idea of Paraguay. It's kind of on my mind a lot because... Sorry. Um, I grew up there. I haven't been back since 2008. My kids have never been there. This December we get to go. We were supposed to go... <laughs> Um, we were supposed to go in 2020, and that, that happened, right? Um, and uh, so, but this year we get to go, and I'm just pretty excited, but, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, like, can I get some gunpowder smell, because I know that's coming. Uh, but, but just the idea of, you know, I'm in, I'm in this group with people in the church that I grew up in, and sometimes we'll share uh, just devotionals or things like that, and people comment, but it's, we live in such a great day and age where we can, we can connect with people, Right, and, and even the distance doesn't feel that great. Uh, but the idea of speaking to people 
that are so different and to know you're, you're, you're from the same body. We're the, we belong to the same God. We're in the same family. It's absolutely beautiful. And it goes against the pattern of this world. And that's what we're about. Um, what does worship look like? I'd like you to just think about this for a minute. What does it look like in your life currently? Right? Look back at last week. Did you pay honor to God? Did you bow down and pray? Even with your heart? Are you serving Him with your life? And Christmas is coming. And we will have lots of opportunities to, to honor Him and serve Him. And like those shepherds, just be filled with joy and want to go and share. And so it's coming. So the question is, what could worship look like, right? As I'm getting ready. And the reason why we're doing this so early is because we want to get ready. We want to be intentional about our worship. Those wise men didn't leave the week he was born. <laughs> they didn't just show up that day. They planned ahead. And we want to get ready so that we do this well. We, uh, Hogan Cedars is coming here, the elementary. East Gresham is coming here. We get a chance to serve people. And um, hopefully it's not just, you know, we serve and we're, we're done. We feel good about it. Hopefully it's like, how can we build relationships? How can I pray with you? How can, how can we build this kingdom? That's what we're looking, we're looking for. <laughs> Lastly, uh, as I think about what could it look like, yesterday was John DeZellum's uh, funeral. And uh, there were lots of people in that room over at Mountain View, like four to 500 people, lots of people. And as people shared their stories uh, about this guy, um, he was such a giving, uh, generous, uh, serving guy who was always helping people. And he had such a heart to share Jesus, to share the gospel with people. This is, that's just who he was. Um, he, someone's car broke down. They were telling a story how he came, gave them his car, and he stayed with the broken down car and let them drive away in his car. Uh, one of the examples. But I, I kept hearing these stories and I seeing, seeing people nod like, yeah, that, like that, that's me to him. Like that's happened. And, and I'm in the room and I felt the exact same way. Because when I met this guy, I was at Home Depot filling the back end of my truck with wood. And they were like two by eights, like, I don't know, 12 feet long. They're pretty heavy. And he comes up and he says, hey, uh, could you use some help? I'm like, stranger from nowhere coming up. And I'm like, uh, sure. What's your name? Hey, tell me your story. So he starts telling me his story. And then he asked me mine. But, but then I said, wait, what church do you go to? And he said, oh, Grace Community Church. And I was like, oh. <laughs> I didn't know who he was. Um, and then we start talking, and it was a great time. I found out he had cancer, and he had been struggling with it for years, and uh, we got to pray. Um, and then I got to know him more, and just listening, having conversations, went to eat with him. Uh, my family and I got to spend some time with him at his, at his house, and just sing some songs, uh, 10,000 Reasons, which uh, was sung there uh, yesterday. But uh, just this man exemplified a life of worship. He loved his wife, loved his kids. All of his kids could tell you the exact same thing. I'd like to invite the worship team up. But this is how he lived his life. And uh, I want my life to be like that. What about you? And some of you, when I think about the idea of Advent, Advent conspiracy, 
You're already doing this. This isn't the first year we've done this. You're already living this out. You're already worshiping fully or striving to worship fully. You probably won't say that. Maybe it's not fully true. <laughs> but, but I just want to encourage us to go there this year and get ready. And starting now or yesterday, we're, we're worshiping the Lord with everything. One of the things that was said about him in a letter was, uh, John, you're the best sermon I ever watched. And sometimes you used words. Wow. May that be us as we worship Him with our lives. Let's, uh, before we worship, um, I want to invite you. We're going to take a moment now and go into communion. Like I said earlier, communion is about, communion is about recognizing the, the debt He paid and responding. And I'd like you to come up and, and take the bread and, and the cup and go back to your seats and just ponder. Think about the price he paid and what would your heart's response be? So as I invite the ushers to come up and serve, I'd like to invite you, let's sing and uh, let's get ready to take communion together. Paul says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me father I thank you for the body of Jesus being hung on that cross for me for us thank you for choosing to go to the cross for us. In Jesus' name, amen. In the same way, after he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Dear Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for choosing to pour out your life on that cross, yours for mine. Thank you for taking our place. We remember that now. In Jesus' name, amen. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's keep worshiping him. I'd like to end uh, reading out of, out of Revelation chapter 5. And it's just a scene in heaven of, uh, of worship. It says this, uh, verse 13, Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So let's go out and worship with our lives. Amen. All right. See you later. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.